0: Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate the way you use your gifts every week. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Love it. Hey, it's good to be with you guys this morning. My name is Jeff Ward. I get to serve here at uh, Watermark on the External Focus Team. So we get to help guys like you connect your gifts. And skills and passions with strategic opportunities around the city. And so it's just really fun when I get to come and, and spend some time with you guys in big group. And so uh, happy to be here. So um, I wanna start this morning <clears throat> by asking you guys how many of you, let's see if I can get my clicker working there this morning, how many of you guys have taken a long family road trip? All right, okay. And so we just took a family road trip, me and my two sons. And I've taken enough of these trips now to know that these things kind of have phases to them. And so some uh, really kind friends in our community group offered us their uh, place down at Pensacola Beach. And so it was spring break, and so we said, let's do this. So we loaded up the car, and uh, off we go. And I've got some phases of a family road trip, at least for us. And the first phase is the can we just leave already phase, right? And so this phase actually starts the night before when you realize you've got eight hours and you haven't done any prep. And so we run around and we stuff clothes into bags and we, you know, I tell the boys, hey, go water the plants. And they end up watering all the plants, even the fake ones. And, uh, you know, you run around and then you realize you have a dog and you're like, hey, who's going to take care of the dog? And then that sparks a conversation that I always initiate, uh, which is, man, why do we even have this dog? Nobody plays with the dog. We barely even feed the dog. And so um, marriage tip this morning is, guys, don't do that. Uh, you know, it frustrates your wife, and it's, and it's no good. And so um, we have that. And then that whole phase carries over to the next morning when you're running around and you finally get everybody into the car, and then you, you put it in reverse, and you back out, and then somebody's forgotten something right, and then you pull back in, and then you back out, and you pull back in, and, uh, and that goes on and on and on, and then finally, you get out of the neighborhood, and you get on the highway, and there's this point in time, it's not marked on a map anywhere, but I call it the point of no return. So, you know, you're, you're to a point where it doesn't make sense to turn around and go back to the house. And so if you've forgotten something, then you're just going to have to get along without it. And so that's when I can finally breathe and go, okay, we're, we're making some progress here. and We're moving down, down the road and we're really going. And so that's when there's excitement and you talk about where you're going and what you're going to do when you get there. And then there's this phase that I call, if I had only known it was really going to take this long. And you know what I'm talking about. So the morning coffee dries up in your thermos at this point and the caffeine starts to wear off and man, you, you're, you're driving from Shreveport nowhere to Mobile nowhere and there's just six hours of just nothing, you know? And you're, you're, you're and in fact, scientists have proven that your brain turns to mush during this phase. And I've, I've got proof of that because as we were traveling down the road, <clears throat> I bought this painting at the Cajun Landing Restaurant in Alexandria, Louisiana, which I think it's Elvis, but, but here's the thing. So we, we pull in, and, and you know we all know Alexandria is the fine art capital of the South. And so uh, we're at this Cajun Landing Restaurant. My whole family's in the bathroom, and I'm sitting there you know, ready to go, and I'm sitting there looking at this wall, and the, they've got these paintings on the wall, and this one just called to me. I don't know. It, you know, they'd been marked down from $50 to $20. And I'm like, well, it's a good deal. And I'm not sure. I think it's Elvis. And, uh, and when I bought it, the, the lady, <laughs> the lady took my $20 and she goes, well, it's yours. <laughs> and so I took it out to the, you know, truck. I put it in the truck. My wife didn't even know I bought it until we got to, to where we were going. And then anyway, you, you get back in the car and everyone gets hungry. And then you're like, Man, you know, the kids are like, McDonald's, no, Whataburger. And finally you get some consensus, right? And you pull up to the Chick-fil-A and it's all dark and you go, oh, it's Sunday, (laughs) right? And so then you get back in the car and then a few minutes later, because the kids had decided that they needed the 1,000-ounce Big Gulp you know, you have to start, stop for you know, bathroom breaks, and then of course the restrooms don't meet the cleanliness test, you know, for your wife, and so you gotta go somewhere else. And so that's the phase where I really just go, okay, if I had only known, right, it was gonna take this long. And so, I mean, are you guys feeling me yet? I mean, y'all, you've been there, right? I mean, we're eight weeks into summit. We ought to have this transparency authenticity thing down. So anyway, so then comes the phase that I call the funky smells and don't touch me phase. And so this is a phase where I began to start noticing the buildup of trash and clutter and the shoes and the socks and the pileup in the car. And then all of a sudden you're going, huh, where's that smell coming from? And you know it's from the back seat where the, my teenage boys are, and you just, but you, then you're just going, man, is that, is that foot smell? Is that petrified french fries? Is that something worse? You know, and so you go through that, and then this is usually about the time you get stuck in traffic, and there's detours, and there's construction, and all of a sudden you start feeling kind of this <clears throat> low-grade, I call it annoyance, right? This kind of fever that kind of starts building up, and you can, f- I, I feel my blood pressure kind of rising, and then, you know, it, it, it infects my wife, and the way I start talking and communicating, and uh, and guys, I've been called a lot, of, I'm a former litigator, so I've been called all kinds of things in life, but patient is not one of them, and so, you know, I, we're, we're doing this thing, and, and then all of a sudden it, escalates and escalates and leads to just go to defcon one and all of a sudden you know from this side of the back seat you hear don't touch me and then from this side you hear he touched me first you know and so you just have this you know back and forth and, and just about the time that i feel like i'm gonna have to call some of my community group guys because i'm about to physically assault you know one of my sons and end up in jail you know you arrive at the destination <laughs> And you're like, oh, okay. And then somehow you forget about the last 12 hours of torture. But that's the funky smells and don't touch me phase. And I start with all of this because the reality is, men, that we are all travelers. And we are all traveling, right? We are all travelers and we are all traveling. Now, we've got a destination. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But this gang, Psalm 121, is a psalm that we need to know as men. And we know it. We've been memorizing it, actually. And so uh, why do we need to know this? Because we are on a journey, a journey of life. And so there are high highs on this journey. There's phases. There's high highs and there's low lows. There's excitement and joy and, uh, you know, pleasure. And then there's pain and there's questions and there's grief sometimes and there's doubt. And so uh, it's really easy for us to get discouraged and keep our eyes down as we travel and we forget sometimes where our help comes from and, we, uh, and who is protecting us. And so let's attempt to redeem the rest of this time. So uh, if you have your Bible, I hope you do, open it up to Psalm 121 or if you've got it all memorized, you've got it up here and you don't even need your Bible. But let's, let's start looking at this Psalm this morning. And let's start with the description of this psalm. It says, a song of ascent. (laughs) Something's talking to me down here. These songs, guys, were sung by God's people. So three times a year. Um, Israel would go back to Jerusalem for festivals, right? And so they would load up the family and they'd go back to Jerusalem. And um, these were long, arduous journeys through the desert. And uh, and they would sing these songs. It's called a Psalm of Ascent because everything was up when you were headed to Jerusalem. So it didn't matter whether, you know, topographically you were going down. Jerusalem was sort of the pinnacle of their society. And so you went up to Jerusalem. And so you, as you ascended, you would sing these songs. And There's something important about music. And so, you know, even as I navigated the the phases of our family road trip, I'm listening to music and, you know, as soldiers march, they sing. And as athletes prepare, they're listening to music. And and, um, there's just something about that uh, that's important. And commentators call Psalm 121 a traveler's psalm or a soldier's song. And, uh, And God's people, again, As they would travel, they would sing these songs back and forth to encourage one another on the journey, as the journey wore on. And and look, God knows about the phases in our life uh, as we go through this journey. And he gave us this psalm, this song, this morning for a reason. Uh, And he wants us to understand some very important principles as we travel. He wants us to be good travelers. And so let's point out just this morning three uh, marks of a good traveler. Let me get here to my notes. I don't have enough space. Let me just. This one here. All right, verse one says, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? And so these journeys, as we just talked about, were long and difficult. So, you know, bandits knew that people were going to be moving, and so uh, they were a threat, an external threat. There were predators, obviously, that were a threat. Uh, the, I mean, extreme heat during the day, extreme cold at night. And so uh, the psalmist, as is, is he's um, writing this to encourage each other, gets right to the point in Psalm 1. And he says, get your eyes up off the path. Look up. And so like, if we all just did that briefly and you looked up at the ceiling, all of a sudden you don't see the floor. You don't see the stuff that you're stepping in. You don't see others around you. And so your eyes are up. And, and here's the test, I think from this verse is, men, when trials strike and adversity hits, where do you go for help? Who do you turn to? Uh, And so maybe you're dealing with it now. Maybe there's a job transition or there's trouble at home or you've got a rebellious kid or, uh, uh, or you're looking at an illness or an injury. And so where do you look? Do you keep your eyes down or are you looking up? And so we can get so distracted and weighed down by our problems on their journey, we, we just keep our eyes down. And, we, and when life hits, the psalmist doesn't say, hey, look in your rearview mirror and look at, you know, the good old days and remember that. And he doesn't say, uh, you know, uh, he doesn't say look within, right? Or, hey, think positive thoughts or read some self-help books. He says, look up and remember where your help comes from. So good travelers keep their eyes up. Good travelers remember that God is bigger than their problems. And so verse 2 says, My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And there is a ton of power in that tagline after Lord. I mean, maker of heaven and earth. Uh, and so he's saying to us weary travelers, Hey, God's got this, right? He, can, he made the earth. Uh, and if we just let him, he'll carry these problems. And, and if we just keep our eyes up. And I don't know about you, but my biggest problem is a perspective problem. And so, man, when my eyes are down, my problems look huge. And God looks small. And so I think right here the psalmist is telling us, hey, we've got to correct, make sure that our perspective is clear. We need glasses, frankly. Like we need to see the things that we see, but we need to see them clearly and see the truth in that. And so and travelers need a compass, right? I don't, I don't even know if they make roadmaps much anymore, but man, if they do, they're out of date as soon as they're printed because you know, the roads change and there's construction and there's detours and even there's traffic. And so when I leave here at the end of the day, I don't, I don't need a roadmap, I need a compass, really, because I live up north. And so, man, as long as, as I've got due north up there, I can zig and zag and I know eventually I'm gonna get home. And our due north, as we think about keeping our eyes up, is scripture because that reminds us who God is. That's why we sing these songs uh, to each other. And so um, the Bible is, is our guide, right? And if we're not counseling other travelers biblically, if we're not pointing them the truth of who God is like this psalm does, then man, we're just helping keep somebody's eyes down, right? So we've got to be careful of the songs that we sing to each other as we help each other travel, And uh, I wanted to share a quick story with you. So in my work here at Watermark, I get to work a lot with the homeless community here in in Dallas. And so, uh, you know, I I like sometimes to really just get in the trenches and really understand kind of what these guys are thinking and feeling the challenges that what their hopes are and things like that. And so I thought, hey, what better way than just to get a little window of opportunity and go and spend the night with one of our uh, ministry partners, Union Gospel Mission. And so I went down to the bridge, and another guy on our staff team, and we went down and we um, we checked in, and uh, we got on the bus and we rode to Union Gospel Mission, and uh, we got out and we went through their kind of their process, and we we ate. Uh, dinner with those guys we went to their chapel service we went to their showering process and and to bed and and all of that and in that process we got to meet and talk with a lot of these guys and I uh, and I met this man named Steve and he was homeless and and um, out of jail no family no money no place to stay Uh, and so I strike up this conversation I go Steve do you have a faith And so, man, all of a sudden, like, his countenance changes, and he he whips out this little Bible. I know it's hard to see, but he whips out this tiny Bible, and he opens it up to Psalm 18. And, man, he just starts preaching to me. Like, he goes, man, yeah, let me tell you, God is my refuge. He is my strength, my protector, my deliverer, my stronghold. And, uh, And then he makes this comment that has stuck with me, and he says, you know, he said, this little Bible is torn and tattered and falling apart, but it's the only thing that's held me together. He said, man, this little Bible is tattered and falling apart, but it's the only thing that has held me together. And um, after that, you know, Steve began attending Watermark. He moved in with a guy uh, here in Summit who opened his house and moved in with him. And then through a faith at work program that we have here where we match at-risk men and women with Watermark employers, he went to work uh, for a Watermark family who had a warehouse and, um, and began to grow spiritually. And, you know, look, as, as with any traveler, you know, we don't know the... You know, he's had some ups and downs since then. We don't know uh, the end of his story, but I know at this point in time, as a traveler, his eyes were up. And he was relying on the truth of God's word, his compass, to remind him where his help comes from. And good travelers keep a perspective and they remember God is bigger than their problems. Thirdly, good travelers get good sleep. I probably should have renamed this point, God doesn't sleep, so you can. All right, so on the journey, right, there's all kinds of dangers we've talked about. Same for us. And so on the journey, someone has to stay awake at night for protection, right, to protect the group. And so in our journey, it doesn't make sense for us to all stay awake. You know, God makes us sleep, right, every day. He reminds us that we're dependent on him. This passage says over and over, God doesn't sleep, nor does he slumber. Uh, And so when God's awake, why do we need to be? Why do we need to worry about that? And so just like on the On the road trip, man, um, my boys, there was a phase in there where they slept for 250 miles, you know, because they knew, hey, dad's at the wheel. Like, dad's got this. He's attentive. He's awake. He's going to keep us in the lanes, uh, you know, and thinking about how to make this vacation uh, all that it could be. And so in our journey, it doesn't make sense for us to feel like we have to stay awake. The Lord's awake. He never sleeps. In fact, let's just read through. This is a short psalm. Let's read through verses 3 through 8. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you... Will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So he's not snoozing nor napping. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. That last verse just means at all times, whether you go out or you're coming in. And that's a Hebrew word. Shamar, which means keep, keeper, protect, uh, um, uh, guard, is another way to say that. And I've got a little 80d guys, but man, if if, if there's the same word God's using six times in eight verses, it's a high likelihood He's got something important He's trying to communicate, right? And so this word Shamar uh, also appears in this Greek form in the New Testament. And I got to, you know, as I was doing a little research, it's used all through the New Testament. And the most compelling point, I think, is one of those places where Paul, at the end of his life, says this in 1 Timothy. He says, "Uh, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard. He is able to guard, protect, keep uh, what I have entrusted him until that day. And what Paul is saying there is, I'm trusting God for my eternity. Like he's got this. He's the maker of heaven and earth. And so if Paul can say that, we can too, right? And so, uh, and so um, the reality is, is, again, as we travel, man, there's always gonna be points where we have some fear, some anxiety, some, some fears about the p- future. We're prone to wander. Uh, sin struggles that Satan would love to just sweep our leg and take us out of commission. Uh, and it, and, uh, but he's there. And the perfect antidote for fear is trust in God. And so, you know, even when the, the boys were little and I'd say, hey, take off your floaties and, you know, come jump in the deep end. Like, dad's got you. I'll catch you, you know. And it took them a little while, but ultimately they took the floaties off and they jumped in. Like, that's the way they respected me, right? By believing that their dad's got it, you know. And so the way we honor our earthly father is by believing what he tells us and, and, uh, and, and acting on it. And in the same way, our, our heavenly father right here is saying, believe me, trust me, I've got this. I'll keep you. Uh, and nothing in our lives is a surprise to God. So he'll, he'll protect our soul. And if we can trust him with our eternity, we can trust him with our circumstances. And so, but, but let's be really clear here because God doesn't promise to change our circumstances, right? We don't come to him because we think he's going to improve our lot in life. We come to him because he's the maker of heaven and earth. And he's got our soul. He created us. and so uh, And he will guard and protect us to the end. And so his wisdom will change our perspective. And so let me just wrap up. I've got about three minutes. And so um, we had a great time on our road trip, but there's always something sweet about coming home, right? And so we traveled back from Florida and we traveled through uh, Alabama and Mississippi and Louisiana, and then we we crossed the state line. And and my wife and I have this funny thing that we do every time we, we cross the Texas state line from wherever we're coming from. And so uh, I don't even know how it started, but we do it, and we sing the Texas State song, so if you know it. And so, man, we just, we cross the state line, and it's like this tradition, and so we start singing, you know, Texas, our Texas, all hail the mighty state. And, and I, those are actually the only words we know. We just <laughs> sing them over and over. Uh, and, 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 the, and the boys love it. No, they hate it. Uh, and, but we, we cross the state line, and there's just something about returning home. And, and here's, here's the point. My, l- my driver's license says, I am a citizen of the state of Texas, right? Yours does too, if you're a citizen here. And so as, you, as, you know, as you're traveling through those other states, you're traveling through, and man, you're gonna, you're gonna follow their laws, man, their, their speed limits and their road laws. You're gonna, you're gonna eat their food, and so if you're in Louisiana, you're gonna eat Cajun food, and you're gonna listen to their music, you know, on the radio, and you're gonna do all those things. But ultimately, I'm a citizen of Texas, not those other places. And so uh, as I travel through them, I remember that. I'm a citizen of Texas, and that will never change. And so, men, in this journey of life, we're travelers facing all kinds of trouble and questions, but God is teaching us here how to be good travelers and to remember that if we've placed our faith and trust in Christ and his work on the cross, his death and burial and resurrection, guys, we are citizens of heaven, and that's never going to change. That's our destination as we travel, and so we can trust him. And so to summarize, um, good travelers keep their eyes up. They look to him and him alone for encouragement, for help, for answers. A good traveler keeps their perspective. They remember that God is bigger than their problems. God is a maker of heaven and earth. Maker of heaven and earth. Like, let's put on our glasses and keep our perspective and remember that he can handle anything. And lastly, God doesn't sleep, uh, so you can. Good travelers remember that God doesn't sleep, so we can. We can sleep. He keeps us, He guards us, He protects us, uh, and uh, all the way to the end. And so I don't know where you are necessarily in this book you know, that is life, but you've read the final chapter. You know the end of the story, and you know that God overcame death and evil and sin, and that He's guarding you till the end. And so I don't know where you are right now. If you feel beaten down, I don't know what songs you're singing to yourself or to others or what songs others are singing to you, but this is a song we can sing this morning. Uh, Psalm 121. And so um, we can trust him. And that means we can travel well today. And so let's do that together. Pray with me. Um, Lord God, thank you for this day. I thank you for the song that you gave us as soldiers this morning so we can march. Father, help us to keep our eyes up. Father, help us to keep our perspective clear uh, that you've got us, that you protect, that you shepherd, that you hold us. Father, that you've got our eternity to the end and we can trust you with our circumstances today. Help us to counsel others biblically with the truth of this song, and help us to sing it well. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.